0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Before we get started, I wanted to credit WFNC, the Hornets Radio Network, and John Fokey for some of the clips that you'll be hearing on this episode. Blue wire.
2: 34th pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Devonte Devontae Graham steps into a three,
0: ring it up!
1: All right, what's up, and welcome to another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and this episode is brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Bet Online. So today's episode is one that is centered solely on Devontae Graham. Graham, unfortunately, won't win the Most Improved Player Award, as Adebayo, Doncic, and Ingram have all been named the three finalists. Personally speaking, I think that's a, a huge offense that uh, he's not even making it into the top three. I had the chance to speak to four different people uh, on today's episode, and I'm sure they feel the same way. You will hear from his high school coach, Jeff Farrell, someone that covered him in college with Rustin Dodd. You'll hear from Keith Smith and John Fokey, the radio play-by-play announcer for the Hornets. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, we wanted to welcome former head coach of Broughton High School, Jeff Farrell, where he coached for 20 plus years. He coached players like Shaflik Randolph, Jerome Robinson, and more notably Devonte Graham for this podcast. Jeff, I appreciate your time today. And how's everything going with you? Uh,
3: everything's fine. Everything's good.
1: Thank you. Yep. So I brought you on to talk about your experience with Devonte Graham, but first I wanted to ask you what, what attracted you to <clears throat> coaching and maybe why high school versus AAU or, or maybe the younger ages?
3: You know, I I always wanted to be a a coach um, first and a teacher second, and the two kind of went along hand in hand. And so uh, I just felt like the the day-to-day interaction with uh, coaching in in high school was a little more meaningful and a little deeper than maybe uh, at the AAU level where you're not together every day and you're not seeing the kids necessarily, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, outside of the basketball. Arena.
1: Now, did you ever aspire to, to coach on the college level?
3: I never did. Uh, you know, there was a lot of times people probably half jokingly you know, saying, "Hey, you need to go coach here or there," and and I just thought the, I don't know, uh, that maybe the, the pressure was being a little bit too much. Maybe the demand and and uh, high school still at the level where maybe it's not so much about the wins and losses as much as it is about just developing uh, the kids' characters and, and helping them develop and being uh, young men.
1: Yeah, so, so you had the chance to coach Devontae Graham, and he's been in the conversation for the Most Improved Player Award. Uh, we recently learned that he's not even going to be in the top three finalists on the NBA level, but he's been in the conversation all year. As his coach in high school, can you speak maybe to his coachability and, and maybe point to a skill or two that you saw visible improvements out of Graham?
3: Well, uh, it, as far as his coachability, uh, he was just such a sponge. He, he would listen, and, and he's somebody that you tell him something once, or you show him something once, and he gets it. And it's not a, it's not a revolving door. You having to go over and over and over, <laughs> and then which allows him to to grow a little bit more. Okay, now let's tackle this next thing, and and then um, he was so good about. Taking what he learned and showing his teammates, and he was a great teammate. Um, maybe almost to a fault, he was so unselfish. In uh, high school, you know, we were
1: times kind of, we wanted him to
3: take that big shot, and you know, he thought somebody else that might have been a little more open, and so he gave it to that person. And, uh, but that was just that's part of who he is. And and then I think as he you know developed in college and and most, most recently here in the NBA. Um, just how he's kind of taking over, taking charge and, and, and using the skills that he has to not to be selfish, but to help his team win. That's what he's all about.
1: Yeah, so Graham's senior season, uh, you took Broughton to the 4A state championship game and it came down to the wire against Olympic. Coincidentally, that's a team from my hometown here in Charlotte. Uh, Graham, actually had an op- <laughs> Graham actually had an opportunity at a last-second heave to force overtime, uh, but it wasn't meant to be. Now, there was some controversy uh, with some time coming off the clock that probably shouldn't at the end of that game.
4: This year, his first is nothing but the bottom of the net. Three-point,
2: Caps deficit. Godfrey's second. Off the back iron, Graham's got it, puts it back up, didn't get the roll, tapped it back in with five seconds left, timeout Broughton. And at least two seconds ran off the clock. At least two seconds ran off the clock there as Devontae Graham tapped it back up and in
4: with at least 5.5 to go. The whistle blew to award the How
1: often do you think about that game, and do you ever play the what-if game on some of those state championship games or just any game in general?
3: Oh yeah! Oh, no. oh my gosh! There, there are the last. I, I really thought in my heart uh, we tied the game. It was a little over a minute to go, and I called a timeout. And I think about, and then we immediately come back on the floor, and, and we um, we fouled one of their kids, and he made both free throws, and, and and you know I started thinking, why did I call that timeout? What was I thinking? But I really thought in my heart there that we were going to win that game, and then yeah, it was a couple of. Uh, we were shooting free throws, and I think we missed one, or and it went out of bounds, and the, the clock looked like it went off a couple of ticks. And oh man, I'm just going up and down that sideline. I said, so "Can we look at the replay monitor?" He's <laughs> saying that we don't have one of those, in high <laughs> You know, I said, "Well, we need one." <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was that was. Just, um, It was a great opportunity for these kids, and, yeah, I think about it a lot. But but that was a wonderful season with a wonderful group of guys.
1: Yeah, I think that team that you played was undefeated, too. So uh, it's almost like it was going to be a very tough task. But you guys came within three points of them. I think uh, moving forward with Devontae, I think a lot of fans worry about maybe him regressing or or believe this season was just some kind of aberration. Uh, In three to five years from now, where do you see Devontae as it relates to his progression within the NBA? Can do you believe that Devontae can be a regular starter on a playoff team or is his role more diminished as a rotational piece on a good team?
3: Well, you know, I think he can definitely be a player that his team can, or his uh, program, you know, like the Horns can build around. And I can see him being like, you know, who was there most recently, Kimber Walker, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of guy where, uh, you know, they're looking to build pieces around him. And I, I wouldn't have said that three years ago or two years ago, but just watching what he's, doing and what he's capable of doing now, Uh, I I mean, he's going to make adjustments to the adjustments that people made on him. You know, he was, you know, they were running him off the line a little bit. And and so he'll, he'll make different adjustments. And and, uh, I think he's going to be one step ahead of the curve every time somebody tries to do something different with him. So yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that.
1: Yeah, I think teams are clearly starting to key in on him uh, with him kind of rising up the, the scouting report on this Hornets team. And yeah, he will be making adjustments. He's going to have to uh, to better himself as a player. Final question for you, Jeff. What What is next for you? I know that you are retired as a high school basketball coach, but do you have any plans moving forward?
3: Well, you know, um, after a year of being out of teaching, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to go back to teach halftime. I'm not going to be a full time teacher, but uh, and in the last, you know, six or eight months, I've been training some kids, some middle school-age kids, and, uh, and one that's going into high school. Uh, we're trying to get just a little one-on-one individual workouts, and I really enjoy doing that. So uh, I hope to keep that going and and uh, get back in the classroom a little bit here and there. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I will never close that door to, to being a coach again. I love it so much. and so, uh, But right now, I'm happy with what I'm doing.
1: I wanted to thank you again, Jeff, for for joining BuzzBeat. I know our listeners will enjoy listening to to your words closely about De- Devontae Graham here. So thank you again.
3: Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use offer code BUZZ or dealdash.fm slash BUZZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash B-U-Z-Z. All right, we wanted to welcome Rustin Dodd to the podcast. He currently writes feature articles for The Athletic, mainly covering the New York Yankees. Uh, But before he moved to The Athletic, he spent 10 years at the Kansas City Star and spent time covering the Kansas City Jayhawks basketball team. And that's the reason we were bringing him on today. Rustin, thanks for joining BuzzBeat. And how's everything going on your end? Uh, Doing well, yeah. Thanks
2: for having me.
1: Very good. So I brought you on because I wanted to talk Devontae Graham. We're going to travel back in time here to when he was originally recruited at a high school. I don't think many people know this story, but Graham originally committed to App State while he was at Broughton High School. Nothing against... App State by any means but I'm not sure anyone would consider that a basketball powerhouse and uh, you know trying to get your name recognized thats probably not the place that you know is going to do that for you so can you maybe tell the listeners a little bit about how Graham went from signing a letter of intent with App State and then maybe two years later he ended up at Kansas that that seems like a big turn of events so can you tell our listeners how that happened?
2: Yeah, so um, you know Devonte obviously uh, is from uh, Raleigh, and uh, so he was going to high school and was a good high school player, um, but not exactly being recruited by you know the Duke, North Carolinas, you know n- not even really NC State at that time. Um, and his you know he was a little bit undersized, I guess you know just kind of a late bloomer, uh, and his high school coach knew he was going to you know potentially commit to App State and even told him at that time, like, Hey, maybe just wait a little bit, maybe just play your senior year uh, and see if anybody else, you know, take a little bit of a notice. And I think Devonte was a little bit nervous at the time that he was just not that the offers that he did have were going to go away. So he commits to App State and then he blows up his senior year. And the, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I just had a, you know, there, I think there were coaches, college coaches, particularly who were, you know, giving word to Devontae and his high school coach, that, hey, he's much better than App State, right? Like, he's, he's just a really, really good player. So, he ends up going to prep school uh, and spends a year, um, yeah, the, and now the school is escaping me, but Brewster. it's a famous prep school. Yeah, Brewster Academy, uh, you know, uh, where, you know, there's just been tons and tons of Division One players that have come out of Brewster. So, he ends up at Brewster, uh, the coach at App State gets fired, and... Kansas was really in need of point guards at that time. They had kind of struggled in recruiting and, you know, they, they, the two point guards that they got in that era were Frank Mason and Devonte Graham and Frank Mason who's now with the Milwaukee bucks and was a national player of the year. He, he originally committed to Towson. So they were really kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel at that time, just like looking for kind of sleeper type talents. Um, and Devonte was that they, were able to get him to commit um and then he was able to get out of his letter of intent to to um outstate they had the coach was fired which i think helped at the time um and so he was he ended up at kansas
1: i don't know if you know this but did he go to brewster academy not only to de- you know further his development basketball wise or was that more of like a time killing tactic uh to kind of get released from his loi
2: i think it was a little bit of both right um I, I think it was not only you know can you get a, a benefit out of going to Brewster and hey this could potentially make you even better playing against better competition, uh, but it could help him get um, to the where where App State would let him out of that letter of intent. Um, so I, I think it was sort of a combination of both.
1: Gotcha. So I actually read a, a 2015 article of yours in the Kansas City Star, and you, and you mentioned several times that Devonte is popular. Very approachable, just overall a likable person. And those are definitely the types of characteristics that you look for uh, if you want to hang out with someone. But, you know, how do those types of positive qualities also translate over to the court while he was at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, especially as a point guard who is often the leader of the court? So, how how do those positive, likable qualities translate to the court as well?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, Bill Self always said, and I mean, this is in those stories Bill Self, the Kansas coach, always said that Devontae was maybe the most popular, you know, teammate he's ever coached both in, in, you know, among the guys in the, in the locker room and just on campus, people just really gravitated to him. Devante has just a great vibe about him. Um, you know, he's funny, he's sort of laid back. He doesn't take things too seriously, but he's also just kind of cool, smart guy. Um, so, I mean, everybody really liked him and I think, you know, on the court, um, his transition at Kansas, you know, the first couple of years he was, kind of struggled to get minutes. Um, obviously, Kansas is a program with a lot of talent. So he played a little bit as a freshman, played more as a sophomore. Obviously, had to find a way to sort of coexist with Frank Mason. Um, and then, really, he just sort of blew up as a junior um, and really kind of came into his own. Um, and, I mean, he was a great three-point shooter in college, just a very heady point guard. Type of player, a a guy with a you know great quarter awareness. He could play on the ball, he could play off the ball, which really fit in Kansas's system, where they kind of have a a offense, three yard offense, where they kind of rely on combo guard types and not exactly one person handling the ball all the time. So he really fit well in that system. Um, And I think by the time he was a junior and he was playing alongside Frank Mason, who was a senior and the National Player of the Year, they were, you know, they were one of the best teams in the country that year and. Didn't make it to the final four his junior year. They would make it his senior year, but um, you know th- At that time I think he'd he finally kind of come into his own plus you mentioned. I mean he had the extra year at Brewster um, So, you know, he was a, a little bit of an older college player even by his junior year right. um, And I think he was I think he was just more mature and a little bit more polished than most college players
1: Yeah, it seems like Devontae's always been overlooked throughout his career Uh, but it also seems like maybe he kind of thrives off that lack of attention. He's undersized, like you mentioned earlier. He was under-recruited out of high school in Raleigh. He then went on to become a four-year player at Kansas, like you just mentioned, took them to two Elite Eights and and one Final Four in his senior season. And individually, he was first-team All-American and Big 12 Player of the Year in 2018. Two-part question here. One, can you maybe point to one skill that he steadily developed over the course of his four years and two, maybe can you speak to maybe his work ethic and just becoming a better player?
2: Yeah. I, I, I know this sounds simple, but I I really think that he's just a great shooter. Uh, and, and so when you think, I mean, he's a really, he's not a, a super freak athlete, right? Right. Um, he's a good, he's a really good athlete and I think he's just a really smart player. He understands the game. He can handle it. He can do, I mean, everything else, every other skill is just pretty much, you know, good to to really good, but it's not great. Um, but I think that that he's able to shoot and in the NBA, he's he's developed being able to shoot more off the dribble. Um, because he's able to do that. I think everything else just really builds off that. And, you know, this is sort of related that I, I think, you know, by the time he was a senior, he was one of the best players in the country. And you know, I, I thought that Devontae Graham was going to have a chance to play in the NBA. Um, but I'll be honest; just if you looked at his profile, he was. It seemed like he was. He was maybe listed at six two, but it seemed like he was maybe more like six <laughs> one, and not the most not the most physically, you know, uh, gifted player. Not the most physically imposing guy. Um, and he was a really good shooter. And so I, I always thought, you know, oh, okay if, if he can get in the right system, you know He can be a good backup point guard in the NBA, you know, and Kansas has had a lot of guys I mean they have a, a lot of guys that go to the NBA So I, I've seen a lot of guys of that were around Devontae Graham's caliber even guards that were, you know You know borderline all-american type players um, That had not really, you know been in the NBA for more than two three four seasons um, you know and another guy that they had had who I think Devontae maybe was slightly better college player than, than Mario Chalmers was. Um, but Chalmers didn't spend it. He, he left after his junior year, got picked in the second round and then, you know, had a nice NBA career uh, and started for some playoff teams. So I, I thought that was maybe even like the peak of Devontae Graham would be like a Mario Chalmers type career. Right. Um, and you know, obviously the situations are different and you go to the teams that you go to and you're in the environment that you're in. But, yeah i mean just, just even the leap that Devonte took once he got in the g league and then in this past season um i think it just speaks to his that he continues to improve right i, I think there's this stereotype with college players a lot of times that are coming out of college especially a, a five year guy because if you count his prep school year that people are thinking okay he's a really good player but is he going to get better you know and but if you have this sort of uh, you know basketball IQ and the work ethic that you have, like somebody like Devonte has, you do get better. And so you know, two or three years into his NBA career, he's he's you know even better than he was when he left college. And you can you you saw it last season.
1: Yeah, it's always the issue when it comes to players coming out of college, especially seniors. Uh, the more time you spend in college, it feels like evaluators don't view these players that can develop it. And we've seen this with Devonte being even, you know, a senior, but also being, you know, even one more you're removed out of high school with that that prep school. Uh, We have Rustin Dodd of The Athletic on the line here. Rustin Graham has taken that experience with Bill Self, and he's slowly translated that to the next level. Having said that, he was drafted later than he probably wanted to. He spent some time in the G League, like you mentioned, in his first season. Uh, This season, he's made tremendous strides as a player, and he's really a focal point of this Hornets team. We've seen flashes with his passing, his ability to shoot off the bounce, his ability to score out of the pick and roll, which is – Basically, half of his offense. He won't win the most improved player uh, in the NBA this year, but he has to be in the conversation. Now, I know you kind of, sort of answered this, but having covered him, being honest, like, what were your expectations of him coming out of college? Did you th- ever think he'd be a starter? I know you maybe you mentioned him, maybe just being a bench player in a Mario Chalmers. I guess, I guess the real question is because you kind of already answered this: How surprised are you that he's averaging 18 points and eight assists in just his second season in the NBA?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was very surprised. Um, if I'm being honest, I, yeah, I thought he was, would be the shooting would, would could keep him in the league and his, all the other skills and his you know, just his general kind of locker room vibe. I mean, I knew all, all NBA teams would really like him and he would cause no problems and he would be a great guy to have around and a good backup point guard. Um, but just, yeah, the size, I did not, you know, that was a question mark in terms of how that would play. And the league is a little bit different now with just the space and and, and how, you know, guards are able to kind of utilize that and it's less physical than it maybe was 15, 20 years ago. And all those things are true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he was an All-American type player. So um, don't get me wrong. I, I, I thought like, well, okay, he must... You know, be good enough to maybe stick around the league for a few years and carve out some sort of niche role, um, and then it, he went into the Hornets and spent the year in the G League, and it seemed like okay, that's about right. We'll <laughs> see, you know, we'll see if he can, we'll see if he can, you know, find his way onto the roster and then sort of carve out a, a nice career. Um, you know, even not to compare the two because they're they're very different players. But um, so Frank Mason went to Sacramento, and um, he's had some flashes. He's had some moments. Um, but he was back in the G league this year and I think battling some injuries, I think he's on the Bucks. Uh,
1: yeah, he was actually playing the other out, day when I was watching.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, he's but that's sort of the career I envisioned for Va- Devontae, somebody who's averaging, you know, six, seven, eight points off the bench, uh, you know, kind of bouncing around the league a little bit as a backup guard and, but sticks around for, you know, five, yeah. six, seven, eight years. And that's, the, the that's the career I thought Devontae Graham was likely going to have. And I think it's a credit to him that he's not only has he, has he been great, but he's been great in his second season. I mean, <laughs> like it, I, I was, I, you know, I saw a game in Brooklyn, um, back in, uh, maybe November, December time period and, uh, kind of right as he was, you know, blowing up and, you know, he was, he was the best player on the floor for, you know, <laughs> A long stretches of the game, and you know, definitely the best player on the Hornets. Um, so that that like that, Devonte Graham, I did not anticipate.
1: Right. Well, we'll we'll end with this, Rustin. Uh, do you have any anecdotes as it relates to Devonte and his four years at Kansas, or if you don't have a specific story about him, maybe just speak to his overall legacy uh, with this Jayhawk program.
2: Well, I mean, I, I will say this, and I mean, I think this has been covered even as he's been in the NBA, but. I mean, he just, he comes from a really strong family and also just has a very compelling backstory. Um, and I think he endeared himself to Kansas fans with his personality and his story. Um, you know, he was, uh, his mom had him when she was 14 years old. Um, and, you know, I think they almost, she raised him almost, you know, with the help of her mother. And, um and you know he faced a lot of challenges as a kid, but this had one of the best personalities and best world, like you know, outlooks on life of, of college players that I covered when I was at Kansas. You know, I mean, it was really hard not to root for him. And right? you know, as a you know as a reporter, you, a lot of times you don't really care about um, the score or who wins or like, you know that 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 kind of thing. But when with Devante was like, you know, I hope they, I hope they, I hope Kansas does well this NCAA tournament because you know, Devontae deserves to go to the final four, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so he was one of the more enjoyable guys to cover just from his personality. And, you know, he, he always had some funny lines and he had a good time with the media and that kind of thing too. But um, no, yeah, it was, he was, a, even back in college, you could tell he was, he was wise beyond his years at that point. And you could tell he sort of understood what was going on. And um, I, I always enjoy that.
1: All right, well, we wanted to thank Rustin for joining us today, and you can find him on Twitter at Rustin Dodd, that's D-O-D-D. You can also find his articles online at theathletic.com. Rustin, thanks again for your time. I, I know you're not a Hornets fan, but maybe you might watch a handful of games moving forward just because of Graham. But, yeah, again, thank you again for your insight.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, I wanted to welcome Keith Smith to the podcast. You can find Keith's work on Yahoo Sports, realgm.com, and celticsblog.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at NBA. Keith, thanks for joining BuzzBeat, and how's everything going with you?
5: Everything is going well. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, so I brought you on because I wanted to have a quick chat about Devontae Graham and his breakthrough season Uh, with someone on a national stage. I think when most people hear Devontae's name, they think about his shooting, which has been great, Uh, but they don't really speak enough about his facilitating as a point guard. You have to be able to you know, organize and orchestrate an offense. Uh, Graham, even in his rookie season, uh, seemed very comfortable running the point guard position, getting Charlotte into their sets, directing traffic, making reads out of the pick and roll, which accounted for 45% of his offensive plays this season. So what does it say to you that Devontae was able to accumulate the fourth most assists this season, only behind Rubio, Trey Young, and LeBron, and do it on a team that doesn't have a ton of shooters or talent around him?
5: Yeah, that tells me that he's really good at getting guys the best shots that those guys should have. Excuse me. And I think that is really, really important because – When you don't have a team with a lot of offensive creation and you don't have a team with guys who are going to knock down shots from everywhere, you need to get them good shots. And I think Graham did a fantastic job of finding good shots for his teammates versus just necessarily these the the other guys. If you look at the other names on that list, they're surrounded by a lot of talent and guys who can do, do a lot of different things. And that is makes it... You know, a lot easier to get those assists and you'll often you'll see on teams that aren't filled with talent, really great passes that go nowhere because <laughs> they're going to guys who aren't ready to shoot or can't do the necessary thing to make the second move to score. And I think Graham did a really good job of setting everything up.
1: Yeah, another noteworthy part of his season. He was the only player in the NBA in top five of both total assist and total three pointers made this season. He knocked down 218 from deep. Uh, He had that gravity that 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 this Hornets team desperately needed. But it was pretty evident that teams started to catch on to how good of a shooter he was. He was a type that if you gave him room, he's gonna pull. And then eventually teams started to catch on and and key in on him. And we did see his numbers drop a little bit as the season went on, but I think that's a sign of respect that this guy was going to climb up opposing team scouting reports. You know, what, what what did you see from Devontae Graham this year as a shooter? And how and you know, he was able to stay relatively effective from deep, even though that teams knew that Hornets wanted to run a lot of offensive through him. It's kind of, it's very similar to what happened with, with Kimball Walker, where there wasn't a lot of talent around him, but he was still able to produce from behind the arc.
5: Yeah. I think what ended up happening was teams were caught off guard by him and how Mm -hmm. the Hornets were going to use him early in the season. And they, they didn't really give a lot of, uh, you know, I guess the easiest way to put it is they, they didn't give a lot of a lot of keys that they. That he was going to be a starter and do those things, and and I don't know that that was even initially really the thought was for him to be a starter because it was what about a month or so into the season, mm-hmm. three weeks, mm-hmm. uh, when he finally started starting, and that was just after great play off the bench. And I think uh, James Borrego looked at it and said, "I I got to start this guy. I, I can't, uh, you know, have him coming off the bench when they, I want to say he had three or four double digit assist games uh, off the bench in, in the season's first few weeks. So that is. You know, just really off the charts. So, so I think when you start looking at those things, that's when teams were like, "All right, wait a minute. Now we got to bend the defense a little bit of a different way." And I think what you saw there was that was when not not that his numbers were phenomenal or anything, but Terry Rogier started doing a little bit more of the on-ball work, and then he started playing Graham a little bit more off the ball. But the thing that was impressive to me with Graham at that point was it would have been very easy for him to just, you know, transition into being a, a scorer, but really it was, you know, kind of still the playmaking held up the entire time. And while teams were able to key in on him as a scorer a little bit, and I'm not going to say it even worked too much. Cause I want to say over the last couple of months before the shutdown, he was still regularly putting up 20 point games. Uh, you know, there's a couple stinkers in there, but that yeah. happens to just about everybody. But it, what was really impressive to me was the playmaking, the assists still kept up. It, it was, you know, quite quite good even after he moved into a little bit more of an off-the-ball role with Rogier taking on some of the primary playmaking.
1: So we have Keith Smith on the line here. Keith, when it comes to the Most Improved Player Award, I think a lot of talking heads don't like giving it to second-year players. I guess the thinking behind that is that rookies are supposed to make some kind of noticeable jump uh, in their sophomore season. Uh, do you buy into that? Do you, or what are your thoughts on giving the, the MIP to a second-year guy?
5: Um, yeah, I'm going to straddle the fence a little bit here. (laughs) If it's a, if it's a high first round draft pick who was expected to be good, then I don't believe that, that they should really be a candidate uh, i think a lot of times it is all right well you know they 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 were supposed to be good and now they're just showing what they were supposed to be but when it's a guy like Devonte graham who was you know and, and i mean this with all due respect because now he's clearly you know a quality you know nba starter uh but when he was really kind of an afterthought and it looked like after his rookie year, man, maybe this guy will be a solid backup. But that's probably the top end. You know, maybe he's one of these guys who goes over to Europe for for a few years and plays overseas and does some stuff there, and then comes back to the NBA to make the jump he did. Then I don't care what year that happened between first, to second, you know, uh, you know, eighth to ninth. It doesn't really matter to me because that that is. Improvement you never saw coming, and for a guy to go from being NBA afterthought to really quality starter, to me that that is the exact definition of most improved.
1: All right, Keith. Last question before you go. I know you've noted a couple times on social media, but you think Devonte should win this award? We know he's not going to because the the three finalists were recently revealed. I am going to give you the floor here for about two minutes, and I want you to make a convincing argument that not Bam Adebayo or Ingram who've both had great seasons and increased roles, but why Graham should win this award?
5: yeah let's uh first i want to look at brandon ingram i think ingram was already very good and it's not that he didn't get better but i don't know that he improved uh leaps and bounds and then bam out of again same thing like you can make more of a case I, I, of the three finalists i think he should win it um of the three finalists but i think Devonte graham's case was just bigger again went from complete afterthought barely a rotation guy into a you know key uh starter you, we talked about The assists you know he was you know right up there in assists in terms of total assists and assists per game uh scoring improved by 13.5 points per game that's just crazy you don't see that kind of leap unless it's like a guy went from being barely played uh to an expansion team and i was like well somebody's gonna shoot the ball you know uh, that those jumps uh he became a deadly three-point shooter um 37 is really good but what's crazy is the 9.3 attempts per game um that's really huge
4: 37 in the ball game. Hornets are up 2. Devontae with 3 on the shot clock tries a deep 3. Got it again. Oh my. Devontae Graham. 40 in the ball game. And the Hornets lead 111-106. to 106.
5: Good free throw shooter. 82% got to the line almost four times a game, which is really important, too, because a lot of times we see guys shoot a good percentage, but they take one or two a game, and that doesn't really matter. Getting there four times for a point guard is good. The assist chipped in on the boards. Um, you know, the defense was better and was improved. I think you saw him and Terry Rogier start to get a little bit of defensive chemistry as year went along. So across the board for me, when you look at Devontae Graham, this is not a case of, yes, he played in just about every game, and he jumped 20 minutes or so per game um those are contributing factors but the percentages were all up across the board his um scoring you know was not just a you know fact that he took a lot more shots because he made more of those shots and then the assists and the steals he really showed to me this guy can be a true point guard and lead an nba team and you could you know have him and feel really confident in that and that for me just really again goes back to that to me is the definition and the spirit of this award
1: yeah sounds sounds convincing to me i think if i had a vote i would vote for bam Uh, but i think devontae has got to be right up there and um, there's a there's a lot there's a big case to be made that Devontae should win this award but as we know he's not going to keith i know you're a busy man but thanks for taking time out of your day to join the podcast and just know you're welcome back anytime
5: absolutely thank you for having me i appreciate it
1: All right, we wanted to welcome John Fokey to the podcast. John just finished his first year as the Hornets' radio play-by-play broadcaster, and I'm sure he's missing out on calling games right now as the Hornets' season was cut short. John, thanks for returning to BuzzBeat, and how's everything going with you?
4: Uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm glad to be back here. Uh, things are going well. I think you you hit the nail on the head, man. I'm watching these games and uh, talking to some of my friends around the league who are preparing to call games and. Uh, I'm jealous. I miss it. I mean, it's It's so much fun preparing for games. It's so much fun getting to call the games. And, you know, I I see some of the unique situations and unique circumstances that uh, radio and TV broadcasters are going through to call these games and they're doing a, a tremendous job. I mean, I watch and listen to a lot of the games and, um, you really wouldn't know that, that the broadcasters aren't in the building. So, Everybody's doing a, a great job, and, and I'm, I'm incredibly jealous. I wish we were doing it too, but uh, since we're not in, enjoying it and, and taking in as much basketball as we can,
1: Right, and the games have been close too, so I'm sure that makes the, the broadcaster's job even more fun. So the reason I brought you on is because I wanted to have a quick conversation concerning Devontae Graham and just his performance this past season. Now, I know you weren't with the team yet, but Graham had the opportunity to learn under Kimball Walker and, and Tony Parker in his rookie season. What do you think Devontae took from those players, and how do you think that shaped him into the player he's become today in his second season?
4: Well, I think he's he's a very cerebral player, and... I think you look at Kemba Walker and you look at Tony Parker and obviously those guys are both some of the smartest players in the game and uh, they play at their own speed. They play at their own pace. They can speed up, they can slow down, uh, but they just play under control and they play within themselves. And so you see that in Devonte's game. And I think too, one of the things Richie that we need to remember about Devonte is he went for after high school, a year of prep school at, at Brewster Academy, four years, at the University of Kansas, and then went to the NBA. And so it's not like, you know, he's a 19-year-old who uh, played one year of, of college basketball or one year overseas and then jumped into the league. He's played in a lot of big games. He's played in different systems. He's, he's got a ton of experience playing with different lineups and trying to learn different guys as a point guard. And so I think you couple his experience with, the opportunity in that one year to practice with, to sit with, to learn from Kemba Walker and from Tony Parker. And then, uh, James Rago, the Hornets head coach brought this up that he spent time, you know, learning from those guys and then went down to the G league and put it into work. And, and, and you know, that's where he developed. And so, uh, all those things kind of come together. And I think that's why you saw the jump that we saw from his first year to his second year, as far as like, you know, exactly what, he learned from those guys I, because I wasn't here and, and privy to some of those conversations It's hard for me to speculate, but I just think the experience of learning from those guys and being around them with his overall Experience and then putting it to work in the G League uh, all those factors Factored into the player that he became this year
1: exactly exactly so when the season started Devonte actually wasn't the, uh, the starter uh, in, in his point guard position. Uh, Charlotte had Dwayne Bacon slotted for that other guard position. It wasn't until the 11th game of the season that Brego placed Devontae into the starting role, and it almost feel like he didn't have a choice with how well he was playing to start the season. In those first 10 games, he was averaging you know 18 points, 7.6 assists. He was shooting the ball red hot from behind the arc. It basically forced Borrego's hand there. And for the next 53 games, Devontae took over and never looked back. How do you think the Hornets' season changed from that point forward at, you know, when he was inserted into that starting role? And maybe what kind of effect did he have on the players around him?
4: Well, number one, you know, this guy finished up uh, top 10 in the NBA in assists per game. I think he averaged seven and a half per contest. And so suddenly you're out there with, two guys that have point guard mindsets in Terry Rogier and Devonte Graham. And so, uh, you've got multiple ball handlers, you can run multiple pick and rolls. You can, you know, run an action on one side. If you're not getting anywhere, go to the other side and, and try it from that side. And so I think, you know, number one, it, it just gave uh, coach Barago and the coaching staff some more options out there. And obviously the way he was shooting the ball at the beginning of the year, that, that opened up so many things. It opened up driving lanes for Terry Rozier. It opened up uh, rolling lanes for for some of the bigs. It opened up, you know, plays for Miles and PJ uh, the way he was shooting the basketball. So when you couple his range and you know how he was able to stretch the defense with his playmaking, I think it had a huge impact on the team. And then I, I think the other thing too, you know, when you talk about this. Uh, campaign for Devontae for most improved player. We've talked about a lot of his shooting and, and assists and the improvements year, uh, year to year. But the other thing was, man, Devontae was so clutch. You know, you think about some of the big shots that he hit, uh, whether it was at New York. DJ Washington off to Devontae, away three. Got it! Oh my, Devontae Graham! Oh, baby! With 2.1 seconds left the hornets go up 103 102 are you kidding me oh yeah brooklyn i mean to close out miami on the road there right before uh the all-star break and even going way back to like november that overtime game against indiana ended up with 30 over 30 points his first 30 point game of his career and of the season And he hit some clutch free throws. And so this guy, I mean, he and Terry Rogier were two of the better clutch Mm -hmm. players in the NBA when you go look at those numbers. And the Hornets were a very good clutch team and very good in close games. And Devontae was a huge, huge part of it.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he had 15 made three pointers in the clutch this season, which was the most out of any second year player, and that includes Trey Young, who I think had 14 on the season. So you kind of answered my my next question because I was going right into this. Like, what does it mean for Charlotte or any team, for that matter, that can have a you know have confidence in a guy to make a play late in the game, and the moment just doesn't seem too big for Devontae.
4: Yeah, it never did, and really, it wasn't just Devonte. I mean, I think of. You know, some big uh, clutch plays and, and late clutch plays from Terry Rozier. Um, you know, I, that game at Dallas where uh, he hit a big three towards the end of regulation or in overtime off of Miles uh, Miles Bridges' pass. Um, Terry hitting some big shots against Cleveland in, in one of those comebacks. And So what, what I think made the Hornets so successful in clutch time was their balance that, it could be Devonte, it could be Terry, it could be Miles, it could be PJ. I mean, even Biz had a couple of big, uh, big plays late in the ball game. And so, you know, I think uh, number one, knowing that you've got confidence in one guy is great. But when you have confidence in a handful of guys, you know that makes the team that much more dangerous. And I, what I find interesting, Rich, is comparing contrast, like with the Dallas Mavericks, right? Dallas led by Luka Doncic, who who is one of the best players in the game today. And yet Dallas struggles in late game situations. I mean, they're one of the worst offenses in clutch time. Uh, They struggle in in one and two possession games. They struggle in overtime. Mm -hmm. And and you wonder why. Well, it's because they rely so much on Luka. I think that does play a big role in it. And the Hornets, well, they didn't have the offense – you know in terms of offensive rating that the Mavericks had during the season they were one of the better offenses in clutch time And I think a big reason why is because of the versatility of the lineups and the different guys who could step up in clutch time situations.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's it's all about making the right play and then when you have players who are a little bit young and maybe naive uh they're they're gonna make that right play and not necessarily focus on one specific player so Devonte is definitely in the conversation for the most improved player because of this huge leap that he has made statistically and just the overall impact he's had on this team you can even see it with those on off numbers but there's definitely some holes in his game that I think he would know that he needs to improve on if you can point to one skill this offseason that he needs to improve on for next season, what would that be, and maybe how confident are you that he's going to achieve that with his work ethic?
4: Well, I think, you know, the, the coaching staff has said this, and Devontae said this, and it's uh, the mid range and finishing around the rim. I think those are the two areas, because we know he's such a capable three-point shooter, and teams uh, defended that. They went after him. They tried to get the ball out of his hands. They blitzed him. You know, they closed down hard, and so uh, he had to adjust, and I think where you feel confident or why you feel confident that he'll improve in those areas is because he did improve in them throughout the course of the season. There was a stretch there uh, right around the all-star break or coming out of the all-star break where he was shooting over 50% on his two-point shots. And it was a you know a spring of, I don't know, a handful of games or something, and you know he had obviously struggled in that area um, because there was such a focus on his three-point shot. And so uh, I think that's where you see a lot of confidence that, hey, this guy, he understands where he needs to get better. He's going to be able to get better. And obviously you look at his, his rookie season to his sophomore season and uh, the way he committed himself, the work ethic that he has, um, if he can you know, apply that, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, and we've already seen video of him, uh, mm-hmm. Spending a ton of time in the gym and working out with uh, the Hornet staff that uh, he will improve in those areas and continue to get better. And the other thing that gives you confidence is, you know, the track record of the coaching staff in terms of player development. I mean, they've had a number of guys uh, that have developed from one year to the next and put up big numbers and, and improved their game in different areas and uh, obviously they talk about Devonte being a big part of their core, they're going to find ways to work with him to improve in those areas. And uh, I love at the end of practice watching the way the coaches work with guys on tough finishes, maybe going off the wrong foot, wrong hand, you know, uh, taking a bump, finding a way to kiss it off the glass, working on their English, those types of things. All of those come into play when you talk about finishing around the rim and being confident in finishing around the rim and so uh between what we saw from Devonte and, and the work ethic that he he's already shown and the coaching staff and their commitment to development uh i, I think you have a ton of confidence that Devonte is going to improve and, and succeed in those areas
1: yeah that would just definitely make his his game more well-rounded and dynamic so final question here so if you're reading the tea leaves it, it feels like it's bam out of or brandon ingram's award to lose when it comes to the most improved player Whether it's the fact that voters, you know, don't like giving it to a second year player or the fact that Graham is just overlooked because he's on a team that doesn't get much exposure on the national level, it feels like he should be in the conversation a little bit more. I know there's a tension on him, but you just don't hear it enough. So John, I want you to make the case in two minutes or less for Devontae Graham to win this award and you can't bribe me or my listeners with marshmallows, chocolate or graham crackers. So so go, go right ahead.
4: Uh, I think, number one, uh, the statistics speak for themselves. I mean, leading the NBA in scoring increase from last year to this year, uh, 13.5 points per game, but more so, Richie, is that uh, those other guys played a ton of NBA minutes last year. Um, All the guys that you mentioned, they played a ton of NBA minutes. They got that NBA experience. Devontae, in his (laughs) rookie season, played 43 NBA games and averaged 14 minutes a game. This was really his first uh, opportunity and taste of extended NBA basketball and look what he did. Uh, and so I think you, you've, you've got to factor that in that those other guys had, you know, an opportunity to kind of play through their mistakes over the last year or so learn from them. And then this year had breakthrough years. And, and I don't want to discount any of those guys because, you know, I went through and, and looked at their numbers from, from, one year to the next, and Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, Luca, Davis Bertans. I mean, there are some really talented guys that made some big strides. But uh, when you look at uh, what Devonte did in what is essentially his his first year in those playing those big NBA minutes, and it's not just the scoring. He finished up top ten in the NBA in assists at seven and a half per game. You know, among names like. LeBron James, Luka Doncic, you know, some of the, the better point guards in the NBA. Um, and so I think that should be factored into it as well. So those, that's, that's my case for it. I think the numbers speak for themselves, but also taking advantage of the opportunity when, you know, he didn't really have that opportunity a year ago, and he used that time to go down to the G League and, and get better. And that's why you saw the big leap.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the passing because I feel like that's one thing that gets overlooked from outsiders or from fans of other teams when they see Devontae Graham or think of Devontae Graham, they just think of his shooting. But He's very comfortable running that point guard position and playing out of the pick and roll and everything like that. So that's definitely something that should not get overlooked if you were to make a case for Devontae Graham. So we wanted to thank John Fokey for joining us today. And you can find him on Twitter at JWFokey. That's J-W-F-O-C-K-E. You can also listen to him on WFNZ when he does make those radio calls for the Hornets. John, I appreciate your time and looking forward to having you back on the pod soon.
4: Thank you very much. Good to talk to you again.
1: Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online. Check out all the odds, futures and props to bet on all available 24/7. And with return to sports bet online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.